Now, The Sipping Point with Lori Forster, the wine coach, certified sommelier, corporate entertainer, and wife to a world-class chef, Lori is literally pouring the fun back into wine. Meet some of the most interesting people in the world of food, wine, and spirits as she uncorks the recipe for a delicious life. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and I am actually broadcasting live here from Tuscany in a region called Montepulciano, and I'm with an amazing man of wine, Renzo Cotarella. I believe I'm getting great Italian here. He is actually the CEO, that's right folks, the CEO of all winemaking at Antonori. And if you haven't heard of Antonori, you've been hiding under a rock because they're one of the best-known estates and families in the world of Italian wines. Now, everybody might know you from uh, Tignanello, Solaya, very expensive super Tuscans that have captured the attention of Americans for a long time, and they're expensive. But I'm standing here on your largest estate in Montepulciano. Thank you so much for inviting me. No, it is a pleasure. I mean, this is a wonderful place, a wonderful estate is that is able to produce great wines. We use, of course, for the Bracesca label, where we have Montepulciano, Nobile, and Rosso di Montepulciano, but also most of the grapes we use for our Villantinari Red. As this area is really a wonderful area, able to produce wine with intensity, with character, with authenticity in a certain sense, that are perfect for our Villantinari Red. I love that. So to back up, if people know the term Super Tuscan, that started when we started blending those Italian or the international varieties like Cabernet, Merlot, Syrah with the traditional red of Tuscany, Sangiovese, which people know from Chianti, from Brunello. And here at La Bracesca, Montepulciano grows Sangiovese. Isn't that right? Yes, it's right. Sometimes when we talk about Montepulciano, people is confused because they think about Montepulciano as a variety. But this is a Montepulciano as an appellation. So we are in the center of Tuscany. It's a very old appellation together with Chianti Classico and Brunello. Of course, even if we are in the same region, being Tuscany so variable in terms of climate, in terms of soil, we are able to produce here a different wine than the one we produce in Chianti Classic or in Brunello di Montalcino. Let's say Brunello more soft in a certain sense, um, wine which is a little bit more uh, evolved in terms of being approachable, intense, in a certain sense, rich and ripe. Chianti Classico more, let's say, vertical, more floral, more vibrant. And Nobile di Montepulciano is instead a wine maybe with a lot of intensity, wonderful tannins, a wine that is able to develop with with time. Uh, slightly different, uh, probably a little bit more um, tannic, more li- a little bit more Mm, intense than Chianti Classico and Brunello, but with a great potential to age. And another difference that I'm really thrilled about here in tasting these wines is the price. They're so affordable. So the two main things that folks are going to see on the shelves, and then maybe you could tell us a little bit about each, would be the Rosso 
de Montepulciano, which is sort of um, a fruitier style for me as I taste it, a a fun, easy drinking. And then the Vino Nobile de Montepulciano, which is the more intense, the more ageable, the more tan and that little bit of grip and the stringency that makes it great with meats and things like that. Those would be the two main things, the Rosso and the Vino Nobile. Um, one we tasted was 15, the other was only 25, and they were both delicious. How do you differentiate those two for people who might be seeing them on the shelves? Uh, I mean, differentiation, of course, is based on the vineyard because, I mean, wine is, are made with different, let's say, different pieces of vineyard where, I mean, Nobile, uh, we use vineyard more, let's say, old in a certain sense that suffer a little bit more in, in order to have grapes a little bit more intense, you know, more heavy, more ripe in a certain sense, less acidic. And instead, Rosso di Montepulciano is a wine more, as you say, a little bit more acidic also in a certain sense, m- m- more, much more fruit, fruity, a little bit more floral, uh, less oak, just a little bit. Uh, so fresh, fruity, able to, to, to be drunk also during the summer, a little bit cool. So we differentiate by using a different vineyard, but also by using a different I mean, aging system. Of course, uh, Nobile is a wine that age for in barrel or in big cask. Rosso, just a little bit, just for the malolatic, but then all the rest in stainless steel. So two completely different wines, even if they are based on Sangiovese, which is local, it's called Prugnolo Gentile. Mm. And you want to look for the estate. Of course, everyone knows Antonori, but this is the La Bracesca estate that we're standing in. Uh, I will post pictures because it is really breathtaking here. And I think it's a region that Americans are just, we're just starting to get our, wrap our brains around, right? Because Italy has 20 wine regions, also very different, almost like 20 different countries. And I think that the Vino Nobile and the Rosso are sort of hidden gems that people are just starting to figure out. Wow, I've been paying maybe double that for something. Um, and I can come over here and get a value a little bit different, of course. Still a Sangiovese based wine, intense, great character. And uh, these are food wines, which is what I love about them. What are your suggestions pairing-wise? Because people always want to know, okay, I found a great wine. What do I put on the dinner table that's going to taste great? Of course. With Sangiovese, and especially with Nobel, you need a steak. Yeah, and possibly understand. a Florentine steak. But okay. of course, the American steak is as good is as good as the Florentine one. Nice. And for Rosso di Montepulciano, it's much more easy. I mean, you can, uh, you can also drink the wine without having food. Uh, because it's more fresh. It's like, I don't say a white wine, but of course, where fruit and, um, and flour uh, have the dominance on the rest of the wine. So you can also drink with pasta, for instance, wonderful pasta, but also with salads or, I mean, um, maybe white meat or something like this. Wonderful. Also fish, in a certain sense. And it's so beautiful here. I know my listeners are going to be inspired to come visit you here in Montepulciano. If they want to find out uh, more about coming here to visit the estate, because you have a lovely area in there where people can taste and take cooking lessons, all kinds of things you do here, what's the best way for them to contact you and find out about all that? They contact us by, I mean, internet, uh, by, I mean, following the Antinori address, also La Bracesca address, is quite easy. And we are more than uh, pleased to 
to have people here, especially from U.S. Great, I love it. Well, um, I just love to uh, do a toast, and uh, there's an old proverb that says, over a bottle of wine, many a friend is made, and I feel like I've made a new friend. Renzo, thank you for sharing this wine with us. Cheers. Cheers. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach, and I'm here with Bruno Gambacorta, and he is the founder, the creator of A Tavola, Tavola, uh, Conobile, which is the competition that I've actually been judging for the last two days. It's here in Montepulciano, where I'm broadcasting live, as a way for each of the neighborhoods, or contradas as they call them here in Italy, of Montepulciano to make a special dish on the table. Tavola is the table in Italy. A dish that goes fabulously with the vino uh, no. Nobile. I always want to say nobile, but nobile. The vino nobile and this amazing red wine. There's a theme, uh, sort of like an Iron Chef competition, if you will, that we know in the States. Each neighborhood makes a dish to go with the vino nobile. And then us judges had the hard task of eating all this food, tasting all the wine and picking a winner. But Bruno, welcome to the show. How did you come to create this festival? Well, they have another competition, something similar to the Palio di Siena. We are very close to Siena. So uh, I was invited, uh, dates back to the uh, 13 years ago, and I suggested why, since all the Contradas before the, this uh, sort of Palio, uh, they all spend every night for a week at least uh, preparing food for uh, the, the visitors and uh, inhabitants, why don't we make them compete for a different prize based on the best dish? So the consortium which uh, is responsible for the Vino Nobile said, well, we might think about it, and in a few weeks they decide to start with this uh, competition, and since then I've been here every August uh, for a weekend in order to be the president of this uh, huge uh, jury with uh, about 20 journalists from all over Europe and in, uh, in the last uh, few years from all over the world uh, because of uh, many uh, American uh, journalists and uh, experts who are and one thing I forgot to mention why you are the perfect person to create uh, Tavola con il nobile is that you work for Rai, the Italian television network, and you have the only news program about food and wine here in Italy called Eat Parade, which sounds like... I'm not much for parades, but if the parade involves eating and drinking, you can count me in. So uh, people know you far and wide. Where are you broadcasting from? Uh, I work in Rome usually, but I, of course, uh, cover all the country. So I'm, I, I report about all the regions where we have food and wine, which is every, everywhere in Italy. <laughs> you have a great job. I think next to me, <laughs> I can understand your lifestyle. So, okay, you come up with the idea of having the eight neighborhoods, the eight Contrada, compete with their dish uh, to be matched with uh, Vino Nobile. And... The judges get to go to each, taste the wine. We tasted uh, all eight dishes and 16 Vino Nobile. Uh, we also picked a, a wine mm. for each of the eight that we thought was the best pairing. So as we went around, we had things that we had to judge the dishes on. So tell me a little bit about uh, what you considered 
should be the winner? What are the criteria for a winner? Well, we have uh, uh, four uh, items for each juror to consider. Uh, the first is the, uh, how, typical, how much typical is the dish. The second point is uh, the final result. Uh, I mean, uh, at the end of the story, the important is that the dish is uh, very good, tasty, uh, easy to digest, everything. So this is the second and most important point. Less important is the third point, which is the, uh, how they present the dish, but not only the dish, how the contrada is ready to uh, meet the jury. I mean, there, there's a lot of things involved in this. It's like at a restaurant, if you feel comfortable. And fourth point is the pairing with wine. So this is a slightly less important. It's important, but sometimes, as in this case with the uh, garden produce or whatever, it was really difficult, the pairing. So we try to consider this a little bit less decisive. Because the Vino Nobile and folks that are listening, you've already heard from a couple wineries. Hopefully you'll go out, if you haven't tasted it, grab yourself a bottle. It is a bigger red wine that you do think of to have with meats, maybe pork or red meats. But there are so many people across the world now trying to maybe, uh, in America we have Meatless Monday. People try to do one meal without meat, you know, just to lighten up a little bit on the diet. So is that what inspired you to focus on the garden? Um, what, what was the idea? Uh, because this is the first year with no meat, I understand. Yeah, 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 exactly. But uh, it's no coincidence because uh, this year Italy, Milan in particular, is hosting the Expo, the International uh, Exposition, and it's about food. And specifically, it's uh, uh, trying to focus all the problems of sustainability and environmentally uh, friendly uh, and whatever. So we decided to have a a theme that was inspired to the Expo, and that's why this year no meat, no nothing. And also we wanted to stimulate the contradas, the cooks uh, in the contradas, to, uh, I mean, think about something different because we have a wonderful homemade pasta, the peachy, for instance. Uh, We have uh, uh, other dishes that are really uh, recurring from uh, every addition to the following. So in this case, it was really something uh, unheard of. For them, it was a, a challenge. Yes, absolutely. And I have to say, everybody did a really, really great job. But of course, somebody has to win. (laughs) Nobody had to lose, but somebody had to win. We'll be back with more of my interview from Multiple Chiano after the break. This is Lori Forrester, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and we're back with Bruno Gambacorta in Montepulciano. So let's talk a little bit about the um, the winner, and maybe then we can talk about the runner-up or second place. So, uh, I mean, I know who the winner is, but tell us a little bit about the dish. Uh, I was hoping this one would win because I really enjoyed it, and why you think it was so successful. Uh, the winner is uh, the Contrada, who has previously won the last two editions. So they are uh, in a row of three victories, uh, and wow. this is something significant. Since, until recently, they were the worst no. Contrada. So <laughs> something probably changed uh, in, <laughs> in the last three years. Anyway, they got uh, the prize with the Tagliatini, which is a homemade pasta, very thin, 
sort of spaghetti but uh, thinner uh, made in two different colors and this, ju this is just something uh, significant uh, yellow with the saffron and red with the, uh, with the use of tomato in the, uh, in the making they, they were um, prepared with uh, all kind of products uh, I mean seasonal products right. so this is uh, what we were asking for and uh, also something that they call reinforcer which is something to make it stronger and uh, more uh, heavier, so to speak, which is uh, uh, basically uh, pecorino cheese and uh, a touch of uh, uh, crumbles, uh, egg also, and uh, bread uh, crumbles. So it's a, it's a very nice dish, something that uh, would be an entire meal for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, it's something that uh, we found very uh, original, mm -hmm. very well done, uh, very creative, but also based and rooted in the tradition, mm -hmm. uh, going back to the criteria that I mentioned before. And I will uh, post a picture of the dish because I took a picture as I was uh, judging it. The other thing that was really creative there, and because presentation was part mm -hmm. of it, is that the Colors of the pasta, each of these contrada have a flag, uh, you know, a coat of arms, if you will, a flag that uh, shows the identity of that neighborhood. And they, their pasta were in the colors, the red and the yellow, the colors of their contrada. And also they had a little, uh, made it sort of like a potato chip, but made lo yeah. to look like a rose, red and yellow. So I think... You know, they sort of, it tasted great, it was great with the wine, and had some really nice things to look at. Yeah, this level of symbolism uh, is uh, really a first for uh, this uh, competition. Uh, in the past, uh, we were uh, somehow disappointed when we went to a Contrada and they just poured uh, peachy into the dish. Uh, in this case, we have seen, but on, not only in the Contrada one, but also in many others, uh, a level of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, aesthetical approach, uh, which is really something. There, another Contrada who didn't win uh, prepared a dish full of uh, uh, herbs and edible flowers. Uh, so it was really a sort of uh, painting. Yeah. So really, really nice. Yep. And then just I will mention real quickly the runner-up um, from the Contrada Voltaia. They did something I thought that was pretty unique and creative. Just tell us uh, quickly about that one. Yeah, they emphasized the, the nutritional uh, aspects of this dish, which is uh, gnocchi, uh, sort of noodles, uh, gnocchi, what we call gnocchi, made with the whole bread and farro, another cereal which is considered healthier than the others, uh, and uh, a sauce of, uh, made uh, with tomato, and uh, the only maybe less healthy food is pecorino, uh, seasoned in a, in a sort of uh, uh, fossa, what we call fossa, sort of uh, you know pit where they put a number of pecorino cheese. They uh, reduce their content in fats, so in this sense, it's a yes. bit healthier. It's uh, it's interesting, and also they emphasized when presenting the dish to the jury exactly what we were uh, we wanted them to emphasize which is the tomato as a lycopene which is a substance very healthy uh, the the um, the presence of fibers uh, uh, in the in the gnocchi is uh, 
also healthy uh, for, uh, for everybody. So it's a kind of sensibility which is really new because 20, 30, 40 years ago, for them, a huge uh, Fiorentina a meat would have been the, 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 the optimum choice, the, the <laughs> nothing uh, to, 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 to think about. Uh, this is something that they are uh, working on. Uh, probably they have uh, consulted the chefs, professional chefs, I don't know. But really they are thinking about uh, a change of uh, cuisine. Yeah. I uh, am honored to have been a part of the jury this year, one of the judges, uh, a tavola con il nobile, a food and wine competition. I love that. And Bruno Gambacorta, you're the creator. You have to be thrilled and just uh, on the moon right now. Um, if folks want to find out more about the, f the festival or the competition it, or even what you do um, with your food and wine with Eat Parade, is there a place on the Internet they can go? Uh, well, the, the, the internet site is www.tg2.rai.it. Okay, and I'll post that link on my website so they can just click right through. Thank you very much. Uh, usually, uh, yeah, there's, uh, of course, it's in Italian, so this is a problem that you have uh, <laughs> to deal with. But the images are, uh, I mean, uh, are tasty <laughs> anywhere you look at. Well, I think the best thing for our listeners is to mark their calendars for next August 2016 and then come here themselves and meet you in person and take in the uh, the whole week yeah this is uh, a place that uh, is uh, growing steadily in uh, in the tourism uh, uh, section so they are building new they are creating new bed and breakfast hotels uh, new restaurants it's really a place which is uh, uh, ready to uh, receive a number of uh, guests from all over the world uh -huh. Thank you so much. Grazie. And uh, cheers to you. Salute. With water. <laughs> <laughs> With water. Cheers. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach, and I'm here on location in Hershey, Pennsylvania at the Hershey Food and Wine Festival. And I'm thrilled because I am sitting next to Idolo Joffre. I think I'm saying that right, from Concha y Toro, and you've probably seen the wines. He has many different lines of wines, but you've probably seen them in the Chilean section of your wine store, and I'm so excited to have him here. He is in charge of the entire U.S. market. A little bit later tonight, we're going to be doing a wine comedy show together and have lots of fun tasting his wines and food and just laughing the night away, which to me are the three best things in life. So I'm thrilled to have Idolo here. Thank you so much for joining us on The Sipping Point. Thank you, Lori, for, for having me. It's, uh, it's a great pleasure to be here and uh, bringing our wines uh, so people can try them, drink them, and have fun with them. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> you are on my wavelength. I'm going to scooch over a little bit closer. We'll post a picture later. Um, ladies, you, wouldn't, you would not be upset to scooch closer to Idolo. So this is a good job that I have. Wine, great-looking Chilean men, and great food. So, okay, we are going to get down to basics. If folks have been living under a rock and they've never heard of your winery before, give them an idea where you are in the world, where you're situated, and the breadth of what you guys do because it's really so amazing. 
Yeah, our winery is from Chile. We're located in the South Hemisphere. We're right in the center, in the middle of the country, Santiago. Santiago is the capital of the country. We established the company in 1883. Don Melchor was the founder. He and Emiliana Subercaso, she was French descendant. He was Spanish descendant. Uh, they founded Conchidoro, and they started this company. Actually, they started the wine industry in Chile. Wow, that's pretty impressive. I love it. So Spanish and French influence coming together in Chile. And not Chile, Chile. I like that. I like the way you say it even better. All right. So tonight we're going to be doing some uh, great stuff with the Marquez de Casa Concha line that you have. But give us an idea from super affordable everyday wine to high end. You're celebrating your 20th anniversary. What you guys have to offer consumers and what they might see on the shelves. Uh, one of the great things about Conchitoro and Chilean wines is that you can find price points at every every single level. Uh, we have wines, Frontera, for instance, $599. Then we have Casillero del Diablo, another great wines that can retail for $1099, uh, depending on where you are. Then we have Gran Reserva, Serie Riveras, a beautiful wine that comes from river bench areas. Then we have our most traditional and recognized brand. It's called Marquez de Casa Concha. Uh, Marquez de Casa Concha is the brand that actually the King Philip V from Spain gave to the Concha y Toro family. Concha y Toro is a last name. It's a family name. Uh, the King Philip V gave to the Concha y Toro family the noble title of Marquez. Marquis in English. So it's a noble title. And in this brand, we embrace the heritage and the tradition of the brand. Then we have Melchor de Conchitoro, the highest recognized Cabernet Sauvignon from South America and from Chile. And also we have Carmin de Peumo, the most beautiful Carmenere you can ever try and taste. Mm. I love Carmenere, and I think it's a grape that not everyone's familiar with. It started out as a blending grape in Bordeaux, but just like Malbec went to Argentina and became famous on its own, Carmenere seems to have done the same in uh, Chile. So if folks have never had a Carmenere before, because that is something so unique to uh, to Chile, give us an idea of what, what they can expect in the glass, although we know they're different styles, but... What is your take on Carmenere? I would explain Carmenere. Well, first of all, we never knew we had Carmenere in Chile. We thought it was Merlot. But when they brought the first vines from the Bordeaux region, they brought Carmenere within those vines. We didn't know it. Up until 1995, they discovered or rediscovered the lost Bordeaux grape. Um, in terms of taste and aroma profile, I would say Carmenere to me, it's like a blend of Merlot. It's got the fruit, Cabernet Sauvignon, because it's got the structure, it's got the bone, and then um, Syrah, it's got the spices as well. So it's a, it's a very interesting grape. Uh, people try it and people love it. It's very interesting. It, you, you can go with every meal. Uh, if you tried Carmenere 10 years ago, try it now. It's completely different. We're learning how to make Carmenere, and we now make great Carmenere. Mm. Sounds like the whole package. Spice, structure, and fruit. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So tonight we're going to taste uh, six of your wines from the Marquez uh, de Casa Concha line. And uh, I was kind of uh, interested to see Pinot Noir as one of the grapes Uh 
I know you've been growing that in Chile, but you, you know, we think of France for Pinot Noir, maybe even California and Oregon. I'm headed there next week, but tell me how does Pinot adapt to your client climate and what makes a Chilean Pinot Noir different than any of the rest? Before, before I answer that, it's, uh, <laughs> I need to tell you that Chile is the, it's like California was 30 years ago. We're learning, we're discovering new terroirs, new regions where to grow grapes. And that's why today we have Sauvignon Blancs coming from the coast, Pinot Noir coming from the coast areas. Uh, we are reshaping the map of Chile. Keep in mind, it's only three, I mean, it's 3,000 miles long, but only 100 miles wide or width. So you, you have so much type of soils, diversity, climate condition that we can grow almost any grape in Chile. Pinot Noir grows very well in coastal areas like Casablanca, Leida, and Limari. Mm -hmm. Huge coastal influence, cool climate uh, Pinot Noir. Uh, Pinot Noir from Chile does have the fruit, but also have that um, old world kind of style. So it's new world meet old world in a sense. Interesting. I can't wait. I can't wait to, to see how that all comes together. So if folks want to visit your website, can you give them the web address and uh, and anything else, how they can contact you? Yes, conchitoro.cl. They can find all the recipes, tourist information, our wines, specific information, technical information if they want. Everything is there. That's perfect. Well, thank you, Idolo, so much for your time. And I'm going to see you in a few hours. We're going to be tipping back some glasses. So cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach with The Sipping Point. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I want to thank the folks at La Bercesca, Bruno Gambacorta, and also Idolo Joffrey from Concha y Toro for their great interviews. But if you're looking to join me live and in person for one of my events, I hope you'll consider one of these upcoming events in October. You can get all the information at thewinecoach.com. Click on events. The first one's going to be Friday, October 9th on the Spirit of Baltimore. We're doing my Something to Wine About Wine comedy show along with dinner as we cruise around the beautiful Inner Harbor. We're going to have lots of laughs, delicious wines, great food. Join me. And then also, football season's in full swing, and I want to get you guys loaded for bear. What are the right wines for barbecue? This is my third edition of Wine, Women, and Barbecue. We call it our tailgate edition because we're letting you guys in on the fun. If you go to thewinecoach.com slash women, you can get the information. We'll be doing this on Wine Wednesday, October 21st at the famous Dave's in Bel Air, Maryland. It's on Baltimore Pike. It's four courses of great famous Dave's barbecue, all paired with my favorite wines for your next tailgate for only $32.99. So I hope you'll join me. Anything we talked about today, you can find the info at thewinecoach.com. As always, we'll be back next week for the recipe for a delicious life.